Hey, hi everyone. Um, good morning, good evening, and good afternoon. I mean, to whichever part of the world all of you all are in. Uh, really grateful for the community of how to e-commerce. All of you all have been wonderful readers and listeners. Uh, a lot of great feedback has been coming back from you all on how we can make the community better. Really appreciate that. Thank you. And today we wanted to try out something different. Our podcast is not just about like trying to understand the one hundred ones of D two C, but we want to take something new out of it. We want to help fellow founders out there. to launch their brand and make it aware to our community so today we have uh, sam trickner who is the founder and ceo of uh, fups which is a very interesting brand and it actually was i mean i was kind of like trying to understand how to pronounce the name i mean when you all visit the website you all will be able to understand more background about it but yeah hey hi sam welcome to the hi. show thank you Great so much for giving me your time of course So uh, how are you Sam how's your day going Doing well so we are 5 days out from actually like launching our brand to the public so it's been you know it's almost the calm before the storm where like all, a lot of the stressful stuff's already happened and now we're kind of just getting ready to go but there's always a couple last minute fires to put out tweaks we're making but um ultimately like I'm just ready to go um can't wait for Monday Wow that's 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 great to hear and we hope like I mean all the positive energy to you on this yeah um i'll need it <laughs> yeah i'm sure it's not easy uh, i mean with multiple things going on right and I'm, and and I, and i know how the zero to one step is especially when you are trying to do everything by yourself yeah so um so sam i mean kind of like uh, curious about the whole name i mean very unique out of the box what's the story behind it yeah so i worked with a with a great brand agency called day job studios and and when we were thinking about the name we knew that we were going to be taking a very different approach to snacks relative to what other new brands are doing where like everybody else is so focused on better for you and one up each other with health claims and and we're not that so we kind of viewed it as like we're kind of like you know doing we're contrarian and kind of doing the reverse of what everyone else is doing and so landed on a name which is puffs backwards but wrong as kind of like an ode to how different we're being and like the the other kind of thing is just like it's just funny to say and it's spelled weird and it kind of creates conversation it's spelled f f u p s and so um it's just one of those names where like once you hear it you kind of stick with it and an added benefit is if you google fops nothing else shows up so there's at least some <laughs> there's some built in seo you'll see my linkedin maybe our our trademark claim and uh and the website and that's it That's that's a big advantage. I mean, I did see UPS pop up though, but yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's that, that's really interesting. Uh, something unique and different with regard to a name because I I usually see a lot of people trying to combine two names together and coming up with a brand. I mean, nothing wrong in that, but obviously no. this picks a lot of interest for a new consumer who wants to try out something new. So, what is the product about? Yeah, so our we're creating a a puff snack similar to like a Cheetos puff. and we're different on two spectrums that's that's really interesting because the flavor that you just mentioned i mean like when you were mentioning it i mean like my mouth is already watering for it right yeah exactly <laughs> uh, it's, it's awesome and yeah it, it's crazy to me that this brand doesn't exist because in many ways it, there's nothing crazy about it but when you just in my background is in really like assessing different you know commercial opportunities across cpg categories and, and there's always a way in And so 
I, it took a good amount of research to get here, but ultimately like this kind of like multiple flavors thesis meets kind of no one's innovating in junk food, everyone's focused on better for you, kind of led to this opportunity, which in hindsight is, is fairly obvious. And even, even when like thinking about the supply chain and manufacturing aspects of it, when we were looking for our, um, our co-manufacturer to actually make the puffs, we were getting pushback around there's like, oh, we've never made a sweet flavored puff before. It's going to gum up our machines. It, we can't do it. The cleaning is going to be too much. Luckily, we found um, there are enough suppliers out there willing to take the chance that like when we did it, it's like, oh, yeah, like the cleaning is really not that bad. Like it, you know, 10, 15 minutes between flavors or whatever the case may be. And it's not crazy, but it's just so different to relative to what everyone else is doing that, you know, um, we ended up kind of stumbling upon this, this great opportunity. Wow, that's, that's that's really cool because usually the challenge is always finding the right uh, co-manufacturer. I mean, and obviously, if y'all have been able to crack that, that's that's like a big hurdle. Yeah. And and I was lucky. I had, I worked with a firm called Rodeo CPG, and and they were great in terms of like helping with ops. So it definitely was like you know it takes a village, but uh, yeah, yeah it, and it was a lot of hard work. You know, there's a whole list of every possible manufacturer that makes puffs in the U.S. and then started just going after them one by one. A lot of people, MOQs are too high. The ones who had low enough MOQs, like, well, there's a reason why they don't have high MOQs. And so I had to kind of like figure out who's actually the real deal. And then we, we got pretty lucky in, in finding someone who kind of believed in the vision and what we we're working with, but certainly took, took a long time. And there were definitely moments of like, no one's going to make this, what do we do um, type of thing. And it's, it's kind of like one of those products where like, you can't really make it in your kitchen. Um, and so we kind of had to start scaled up a bit. And so that just, you know, means we have to sell more puffs at launch and it's a risk we're willing to take because we think the brand is going to be resonant enough with it, with a lot of people that we can kind of make that bet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing without a, a bit of risk here and there, right? So I'm, I'm sure it's going to be worth it. And the space that you're getting in, like, like you mentioned, right? Like where is the innovation in food that is probably called unhealthy, right? Like there is no innovation happening over there. Like there's only like complete replacements happening. So I guess a space like that you're getting into is for sure something that's untapped and there's a lot of potential and excited to see how the next couple of months are going to look like and, and, and really curious to try the product out. Yeah. I mean, I'm here in London, so as in, I don't know how to get my hands yeah. on the product, but I'm going to figure it out. Um, we'll, we'll figure we'll figure it out. That's not a problem. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's, it's uh, really cool to know and understand more about the product. So uh, Sam, I mean, I was going through your profile on LinkedIn and I did see your background in Harry's and uh, I mean, you've primarily come from a very strong finance background and mm-hmm. I would really like to understand like what's a guy who's into numbers doing in the D2C space? I mean, just curious. I mean, yeah. starting out a brand, I mean, no offense to like uh, finance people coming to the D2C yeah. <laughs> that, That's not my comment here, but I mean, very curious to uh, see this kind of combination. Of course. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I was lucky to be doing finance at Harry's, which is, you know, one of the original big CPG brands. And that kind of just led to me having a broader understanding of like, how does a DTC business really work? And so doing things like owning our customer LTV model for a time, owning the company financial model to really see like, if we get this many customers and this is what their repeat purchase behavior looks like, and this is what cross-sell looks like here's what a customer's worth and this is what we're spending on marketing and so then this is how much money we're going to have to raise or not raise or if we go omni channel like 
all of all of those implications for for how ultimately the numbers work i think gives a strong foundation and just like the the high level of like how yeah. dtc could work and then you know thinking about like when we were presenting stuff to investors or the board you know being the one to do the analysis that was then shared it really just gave me like the firm understanding of of what actually matters because there's a million metrics you can look at in DTC and every business has different ones that are important. And so it really figuring out like what matters for us um, and, and just having that background has, has been actually really helpful. Um, and then my last couple of years at Harry's, I was in a group called Harry's Labs, which uh, the mission is like, how do we turn Harry's into like the next generation CPG conglomerate? And so spent a lot of time, of course, in financial models and figuring out like how do the dollars and cents of a new brand work? But then working with a customer insights person with a brand strategist to really like blend the commercial consumer and brand diligence together to really understand like all the factors that go into it. And so, yeah, like a lot of my job was doing, you know, work in Excel, but it also like, I, I felt like I was exposed enough to the parts of DTC and, and branding that I find interesting where I, I felt that. Um, even though like it's my first time really doing the DTC like e-commerce stack type of work, having enough exposure to it and really knowing like how what the outcomes and what the inputs look like uh, to to make me feel prepared enough. Um, but but yeah, I mean definitely a, a transition for sure. Yeah, I mean that's that's really interesting though the whole transition from being a complete finance oriented person yeah. to obviously starting out this particular brand. Curious question, like. Mm -hmm would love to understand more about like your approach towards creativity because obviously with the way you've come up with the name the style of the brand obviously like there is something that is seen over here that obviously as a founder you have a strong sense of creativity so how did that start out i would love to like you know know the roots to that yeah and and, and so i i was given really good or what i think is really good advice when i was getting started which was you know, if you're assessing a branding agency and one costs $10,000 more than the other one, but you think that they're going to do better work, then go with it. Or like, you know, there's kind of like different tiers that you can That's think cool. about and, and, you know, don't just try to cheap out and get the cheapest branding agency you can. Of course, like it depends what your financing structure looks like. But I think for me, it was just like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And so, you know, spend a little bit more on brand to get something I really liked. And, and ultimately, you know, we did. Um, and it was, and it was a lot of fun. That, that completely makes sense. I mean, quality does come with the price. Yeah. And obviously working yeah. with the right uh, creative team, I mean, to bring this kind of outcome is not surely yeah. easy and that takes a lot of effort. And that's where like trading equity for, you know, leveling up the agency was a, was a tool right. I had because I couldn't afford the full freight. But what I did was I negotiated a bit and say like well like here's what i can do do you want to take the rest in equity and after some back and forth like ultimately like that that kind of worked out and and like went across it a, a multitude of vendors kind of like just being comfortable doing that because like ultimately at the time it was like yeah you're getting a percentage of nothing but maybe it'll be something and then if you do good work then like it'll definitely be worth worth a lot and so just having a aligned incentives was was good um so that was yeah that was like another kind of tool i used to make sure that i could get the right, you know, branding and, and ops people in place ahead of time when I was like literally no brand, just an idea. That's that's great. I mean, creativity on the cap table. Yeah, right. 
So, I mean, yeah, that's, that's really cool, Sam. I mean, like you really brought the whole mix of like numbers and creativity in like all over the brand, not just from the branding side, but onto the cap table also. But- yeah, and, and, and some of that just came from like Harry's, which was like the, the founders had a more of a finance background too. And I just seeing them, I was like, well, you wouldn't even have known that having worked with them. They were like very focused on brand, but understanding the implications behind, you know, the why and, and the how, I think was just like one of my big takeaways from working there. Yeah, that's great. You've had the kind of exposure that a lot of uh, D2C founders would, you know, like really envy for. So that's that's really great. Right, right place at the right time. Yeah, yeah. Timing, yes. So Sam, I mean, uh, one particular thing with regard to the product, right? Like, who's it targeted for? Like, who's your ICP? Who are your ideal customer profiles? Yeah, so I call our target consumer the couch snacker. So this is somebody who is... You know, they're first of all, they're eating puffs regularly. They are generally snacking, at least part of their snacking time comes while they're watching TV or, or movies or sports. And they, and this is the more, the more critical one, they're not uh, considering health claims when buying product. And to me, that was like kind of like the big, uh, like aha moment, which is there's a lot of people out there who actually don't care about health claims. And and in fact, some are using them as a, as a filtering method. So they'll actually say like, I consider health claims when I'm buying a product so that I know what not to buy. And um, because they have this perception that healthy snacks don't taste good, which no. is kind of true. <laughs> I mean, it depends on the, depends on the snack, but, there are some exceptions, and, but, yeah. but it's, it's kind of like, and even if they do, there's the consumer psychology aspect of it, which is you're, you're they have to spend so much time convincing people that it tastes as good as, you know, whatever the main product is in the category. So that ends up being the brand. Yeah. And so for us, we're kind of, we don't feel like we need to educate consumers on our product because it's obvious what it is. It's a puff that's not healthy with cool flavors. Like what else do you need to know um, is kind of our approach. And like our, our branding is a little bit absurd and out there and it's simple, but when we say things, we say things, purposefully that are kind of like absurd and funny. So like our, our cheese flavor is called grocery store cheddar. What does that mean? That means like, it's not some fancy schmancy cheddar. It's a, it's like kind of like a better version of like the slice of cheese you would have on a sandwich in puff form. And like people like that. And it's funny. And like, it's kind of like people need to be in on the joke Um, and, and our consumer is. And so we did, I would say like more, consumer research than most pre-launch brands do in the sense of like a pretty intense, like three different surveys to really get into the, the psyche and, and, you know, uh, demographics and psychographics of our consumers, a bunch of, you know, interviews of just people who I know who are that consumer and obviously doing it in a scrappy way. And so like, I didn't, you know, for the one-on-one interviews, it was like with friends, I was like, I'll, I'll get you lunch, I'll buy you a beer, that type of thing. And with surveys, there are enough, like, if you run like a 500 to 1,000 person survey, there's enough tools out there that, that you can do that on a relatively cost-effective basis. The one I used was Polefish, and I'm sure there's a bunch of others out there. Um, but congrats, Polefish, you just got a free ad. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, so like, that, and that's kind of like really knowing our consumer. So we reached the point where we put the brand out for a concept test and the purchase intent amongst the target consumer was 91%. And so to me, that's like, great. Like we've built a brand that is really highly resonant with the set of consumers that we're going after. And 
and broader than that, we're a we're going to be a mass snack brand really for everybody. Yeah. And so, yeah, we have our target segment, but we're also knowing that like, we don't need to be so specific in, in the things we do and say, because this really is a brand that's built for anybody. It's built for kids, it's built for parents, it's built for, you know, people in their twenties and thirties who are very college students for really for, like, it's, it's a brand that can mean something to everybody. And that's, again, why we kind of went with something with a little bit more simplicity to, to the design and the claims we make. The, the, only, the only claim we have on our packaging is that we're not healthy. <laughs> <laughs> that's very straightforward and like, you know, it's, uh, it's for the consumer of today, right? Which completely right. makes sense. And the consumer of today is a very uh, quick decision maker and they are aware and they, and they very clearly know what they want. It's not that they're confused about their choices. Totally. Yeah. So your step from zero to one, right? I mean, you're still in the process of like zero mm-hmm. to one. So how was it like, what are the hardships that you faced and how did you overcome it? Because one, like, I mean, as a fellow founder, I know it's, uh, it's a lonely journey. It's not easy. It's making a lot of people believe in your dream. And obviously it's about also like uh, trying to work within the limitations that you have. And the critical limitation here is money, right? And obviously like you have a lot of money, you can do a lot of things. So how did you work with these numerous limitations and still come to where you are? And how long did it take you to do all of this? Yeah, that's that's a great question. And I think like that has been the limitation. It's just like capital and getting people to believe in what we're doing. Um, and we, we've been largely bootstrapped. We did a small friends and family round with just folks I knew who were willing to, you know, invest and bet on what we're doing, obviously with like a, a hopefully great financial outcome as a result. But, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's been challenging and especially like choosing to invest a little bit more in brand and product has meant that we have to be scrappier in other places. Um, but yeah, I mean, we got started and the, and the other thing I was doing was like doing some side consulting as I was, you know, ramping up for the first six months or so, which, which helped. Um, and yeah, I mean, like it's, it, you're, you're right. Like it is kind of like a long, lonely road uh, where like you care so much about something that you might have a conversation with someone and they're like, oh, that's really cool. But like they have their own stuff going on. So, you know, they're, no one's going to be as fired up as, as the company aside from you. Um, but I, I did bring somebody on about a month ago as like a kind of chief of staff type role, which has been great. Um, so there's kind of just like another person who believes in it um, and is obviously enough to work full time and, and be, a, be a real partner. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard. Um, it it kind of like takes a, you just have to know what you're doing and what you're getting yourself into. Um, and, and there's obviously times where like things aren't going well. And especially when you're alone, it's just managing the highs, managing the lows. You know, there's there was one instance where um, like the product was going stale from like test samples and it didn't matter. Like it was one of those things that like long-term it actually doesn't matter. It was like a sample that I wanted to give to people because I was exploring the idea of bringing, bringing some bigger investors in and like they went stale and it's like, well, this actually means nothing for like when we launch and we go to consumers. But like right now in the moment, this is like, the world is ending and it's trying to like figure that type of stuff out and, and kind of just navigate the cracks. It's, it's tough, but like ultimately knowing this thing's going to launch, it's going to be shipped to people now, like within a week. And like, that's kind of what we're working towards and like everything else doesn't matter. And that's, that's kind of like my, my approach to it. And then, you know, once, once we're launching, we're going to have a lot more problems that we're going to have to figure out. So like the problems of today, like actually don't matter. Like, 
it's, it's funny, like, just like, as I'm just like reflecting back, we getting the supply chain set up and up and running is really hard. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not easy work. And there's a real big human element to it where like the tension of we're a startup, we're moving fast, we're being scrappy. And then we're talking with suppliers who are bigger businesses. And, you know, we're just like a small account. Oh, maybe it'll work out. Maybe it won't. Who cares type of approach, which I mean, my luckily, like my, most of the partners I'm working with are, are great. And so that's not a problem. But, you know, it, it's similar, like the things that seem like the biggest problems in the world to me are not the biggest problems in the world to them. So in the sense where I'm like, oh, we need to get this done today because we're going to, you know, timeline impacts. And they're like, well, like maybe we can like, but there's no problem if we let you know in two days type of type of stuff that always happens, which is just big company versus startup speed. And but, but yeah, I mean, it's that in a year, we're just like, oh, our supply chain set up, like all these things that were such hard to navigate, like they don't matter because like there's everything's up and running and like maybe there'll be an issue where like, oh, a shipment is late or things like that. But it's not like who is going to be doing the shipment. And so, like, that's kind of like, you know, all the, all the short-term problems that seem bad really aren't. And it's just like knowing that and kind of having someone at least like to me, having like a firm that I've been working with on ops has been really helpful. But if not, then like at least having a sounding board, like, an, like if, I, if I didn't have this firm, I would for sure have one of my advisors be a very like ops focused person. And actually, in fact, I do have an advisor that is like that. And he's kind of, you know, helped me just like put things in perspective, which has been great. That's, that's actually really great. I mean, because when you have the right people to support you with, I mean, especially when you're going from the zero to one step, and when you have so much of challenges, I think that's that's really great. And for sure, your exposure at Harry's played a very big role. And obviously, the network that you made during that time also would have, like you know, given the right levers to pull to leverage it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, just like knowing it's it's there's a, there's a, a lot of different ways you can you know enter, especially in food and bev. And so I came from the background of like kind of like knowing like how what does the timeline look like to launch a brand and like how do you figure out what's a good brand to launch but I didn't know the food supply chain super well I didn't know like I knew what a good brand looks like but I didn't know like how to manage an agency and so there's of course things that like there's a bunch of different ways you can enter so like there's our marketing focused people who like can do the branding by themselves but they don't know the supply chain so it's kind of um you know a, a give and take for for the things you come in with but I mean I I like the education I had coming into it and, you know, learned to learn a lot along the way and it's still learning. That's, that's great. And, you know, like one thing that I would honestly like recommend is, uh, as in, I'm sure the, there's a limitation on time, obviously when you're starting out, sure. if you do get the chance, like you should really like, uh, share your journey of like building in the open. And yeah. That's something that would help inspire a lot of people. And obviously like, uh, also like help probably get some great uh, input and feedback and even support systems to like even help out when you are facing a challenge. And, and, and I've seen a lot of uh, B2C founders do this and it's helped them out a lot. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a great idea for sure. And it's something like I always think about doing and, and every once in a while, I'm like, oh, I should, you know, be building more in public. It's, it's challenging too. Like it's, it's scary to tell everyone in the world, here's what I'm doing. And it might take six months to a year for it to happen. Um, and so I, I've kind of like built in public privately in a sense where I've had this like email list of like, I'd say like two to 300 people that like every couple months I'll give an update to. 
and really try to, as a way to like hold myself accountable and, and just share with like people who, who I've taken meetings with or people who I've worked with or, or kind of like care about me in one way or another um, just to keep them informed. And so like, that's been like my way of doing it. Um, and then of course, like with my investors, I'll share like a monthly update, but yeah, like it's, I, I wish I had more of the, I guess, like the confidence or, or the kind of like willingness to, to share everything in public is like it were pre-launched. So it's like, well, what if, you know, there, I, this is where I get into like the, what if it doesn't work, but like, I'm confident it will, but, and that's always the thing of like building in public is great. And I wish I was doing it. And cause, cause that will help build it. Cause like, what's going to happen is, you know, we're going to launch and people are going to be like, Oh, this is really cool. Like, I wish I knew you were doing this, like that type of stuff. Um, it's, it's, it's scary for sure. I mean, uh, today's, uh, low can be like tomorrow's high so right exactly never know and then and in a sense like going full circle like i wonder like as i was navigating those issues like how much better would it have been if i said oh man like my samples went stale and someone could reply and say the same thing happened to me you got nothing to worry about like that probably would have saved me a couple nights of sleep last summer so yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i mean i think I, i guess it's kind of like a you know, I didn't do it, but I think, yeah, people should um, yeah. definitely public. So Sam, I mean, uh, kind of like uh, talking about your go-to market strategy mm-hmm. and because that's very vital in your zero to one, right? And yeah, obviously like you figure out who your ICP is, which is obviously, which is a big step to cross by itself, but how's your go-to market strategy looking like? And what is the kind of technology that you're using? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, like, are you using Shopify for your? Yeah, so we're, we're yeah, like at least on the back end and my designers kind of like built on their own like headless CMS, which is something I learned what it was about a month ago. <laughs> but um, but yeah, like that, like we're just DDC to, to get going. And I think like long-term, this is going to be an omni-channel brand. I'd lo- I would love to be on like every retail shelf besides Whole Foods, probably. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't think there's space for a not healthy focused brand there. And which is, which is okay. We'll let, we'll let everyone else compete for the same shelf space and we'll go after something else. But, but yeah, I mean, I think to start, it's like, how can we do something that's simple, but effective and reach a lot of people. And, and so like launching online to kind of prove it out makes a lot of sense. I think there's, there's brands that I've seen that are like a little bit out there, like liquid death is a, is a great example of a brand that you, they're like definitely out there in terms of their positioning and branding. And, but they use DTC to prove that like, hey, this is a brand that people are interested in and like we're like resonating with consumers and then parlay that into retailer interest is, is kind of the strategy that I'm gonna go go for, for, for go to market. And I think what's also unique about what we can do relative to other snack brands that are health focused is that there's a kind of food service play where, or, or like a sports stadium play where, you know, if someone's at a game and they're like, you know, getting a hot dog or sausage or something like they're going to probably not care about, you know, the snack I'm going to get has to be healthy. Probably not. Right. So I think there's like the food service, like out in the real world type angle that we can play off of, which I think is interesting. Um, as well as just like a sandwich shop, you know, you're getting a cheese steak. You're probably like in a soda, like in a bag of chips, like, well, instead of a bag of chips, what if you get a bag of fups? Like that, that's kind of a thing we're exploring. Yeah. And, and it's kind of fries. You probably get this, which yeah, is, yeah right. Yeah. It's like, 
and the thing the loss in all of this is like our products are actually not that bad like when we compare our nutrition label to like Cheetos and then a couple better for you brands and you remove the logos of who's who like you would not pick us out as like the least healthy brand in fact like you would say like oh this could be a better for you one too and so that's like the other just like unique little thing like it's almost like stealth help is, is a term I like to use to describe it and but the consumer doesn't need to like see it in the marketing and once you have them in because they don't think it's healthy and they know like they eat it and it tastes good then they'll look at the back of the pack and you'll be like oh it's actually not that bad and, but like, I don't know, it's, it's corn oil and seasoning. Like it's, it's not that crazy of a product. So, <laughs> I mean, it's really like, you know, if, I always think like, if you, if you eat corn, like standalone, like as a meal, like as a side for a meal, like no one's going to be like, oh, wow, you're eating corn. Like that's really unhealthy. And so if you eat it in puff form, granted, like, sure, there's some processing that happens, but like, it's, it's not that bad of a base. So that's just like my little rant on on the nutrition stuff but, but yeah like in terms of go to market definitely like we want to build a really good dtc experience mm-hmm. our website is really it's going to be really fun Cute. i'm excited for people to, to interact with it and see it and you know over time we would love to just basically go to where the consumer is so we know our target consumer i think about 46 percent of them in the last year have bought snacks from a branded website so to me it's like that's great that means we're not going to if we think about what behaviors we're going to have to change, like where they're shopping for a large subset of our target consumer is not one of them, which is great. So we're really not changing that behavior at all. But there's the other remaining 54%. We're like, we want to meet them where they are. And so if they're buying their snacks at Walmart, I want to be in Walmart. If they're buying them at delis, I want to be in delis. If they're going to bodegas, like same. Thing. And so it's really just like understanding both who wants to sell us and then who, where our consumer is buying stuff and then trying to like find where those things overlap. And then that's where we want to invest. That's, that's, that's really cool to hear. And the whole concept of like where you told me about the whole spillover effect from uh, D2C to retail, that kind of like connects yeah. back to how your D2C experience is going to play, which, yeah. which I think is really unique to see over there. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. And there's, there's always going to be like, DTC will always be a big component of the brand. And there's ways to keep it special. So think about like, you know, what ways can we build in a membership or even when we have new flavors, bring them online first, things like that, which are, are kind of quick wins. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it's, I, I love direct to consumer. I think it's a great way to launch a brand and get quick data. And that's why I'm doing it. And obviously like a little bit, like I couldn't imagine right now if I was trying to go into like a thousand retail doors, like just the level of complexity I would, I would not have any hair left. So, yeah, I mean, like trying to get into the door of so many retailers. I mean, that's that's pretty exhausting. And what you can achieve probably being just retail first. What can take you two to three years? I think you can achieve that in few months with D two C. I mean, in terms of like just revenue. So, yeah. So Sam, uh, with regard to the kind of like uh, thought process that you have, like in the next couple of months, like how do you see things like you know shaping up and like panning out um well you know hopefully we sell all the inventory we have and then we have to deal with the complexity of how do we do another production run um so that's kind of like plan a which is like just sell things really fast but you know what what i am most curious about is we have five flavors and that adds some complexity to how we're building things because i have no idea how much of each i should be buying so we kind of like bought things in equal parts and, and so we'll see how demand plays out yeah. but 
So like, that's like kind of number one. I'm curious to see what are, are people buying the thesis that puffs deserve more flavors and are they interested in them? And from the consumer work I, I did, I know that like 83% of our target consumers wishes there were more flavors in puffs beyond cheese. And so that's like a data point that suggests to me that like, yes, there's demand for this. And as mentioned, like we had a survey with high purchase intent. And so to me, I'm thinking like, all right, cool. Um, is there demand for sweet versus savory? And how is that going to shape out? And when people come in for the first time, are they going to buy a sampler of all the flavors? Or are they going to buy a flavor they're familiar with? And then how do we kind of like instigate them buying more stuff? And so that's where we start. This is where it gets like very, you know, in the weeds of the DTC plan. But, you know, do we, when do we send an email saying like, hey, are you enjoying your FUPS? If you bought the, you know, the try them all pack, what was your favorite flavor? Buy a six pack. If you bought a six pack of one flavor, then, oh, you should try all of our other flavors with our sampler. And so like, how do we get people assuming they like the product, which I think they will, like to buy more stuff more quickly and really have experiences with all flavors and ultimately like get a bigger share of their snack wallet. Like those are kind of the things that I'm excited about and really learning the first couple of months. And then, you know, by probably like end of May, early June, we'll be able to really like adapt our plan based on like learned data. So that that's like, that's what I'm excited about just to like start like doing stuff. Like we've like built out this like analytics dashboard that like, oh, wow. cool. it's like cool to have a dashboard, but like there's no data. So like let's populate it and then we'll see, see how it goes. That's, that's great. So, I mean, you're a finance guy. I mean, like that's the core of like what you've primarily done before. So, I mean, with so much of creativity like coming out with the way you started out the brand, what are like the top metrics or KPIs that you are tracking at this particular stage of the company? Yeah, so for me, it's like a lot of the DTC stuff um, that like AOV uh, is a big one, like number of orders a day. Like it's kind of like some of those like basic ones, mm -hmm. but then there's other things that I'm starting to look at like um, what percent of our items are multi-flavor and like by items, I mean, like we're selling six packs and 12 packs. So like what percentage of those have more than one flavor in it? That's like one, one big thing I care about. On-site conversion is going to be another really important one because we, we bet big that, you know, spending more on a website will lead to better outcomes. And I think that's true, but I'm hesitant to fire up a bunch of ads until I know what the math looks like. And so like we, we ran some ad tests over the last few weeks to just to get a sense of click through. We think click through is really good and like better than what we were expecting in terms of comps. And this was like, you know, us making stuff up in 10 minutes. And so I'm sure we can also like make the ads better. And so like, once we have a sense of like click through and, um, and conversion rate, then the, like those metrics matter so that we can actually start spending money on ads and then bringing more people to the website and then seeing how do people with ads behave differently or people who come in from ads behave differently than people who come in organically. And what does that mix look like? And, and so like, those are some of the secondary ones, but it's really just like, what's the revenue? How many orders are there? What percentage of people are buying six packs versus 12 packs? Items, multi-flavor and AOV. I think those are like at least the very, very big ones at first. And then, yeah, I mean, as we go through, we'll, there will be metrics that seem to matter that I don't know what they are yet. I mean, yeah, metrics. Whatever looks good to investors, right? <laughs> <laughs> true, true. That's that's very true. But but it's very interesting to look at how like you know, as the life cycle of a company, 
metrics like change over time and evolve over time mm-hmm. i think that's that's something that you would have like surely uh, seen at harrys and that would have been a yeah. great exposure for sure like even just like on my dashboard that i'm looking at now like right now we'll have zero returning customers the first couple of weeks probably Absolutely. but then over time like the metrics of like well what's the mix of customers returning look like and then a, a metric that might matter is like how many bags are new customers buying versus return customers and like how does how do how do the metrics look differently and, and what's you know we're not subscription yet but like when we are then it's like how many people are subscribers versus not what does churn look like there's like all these really interesting things and then oh man i got a lot of ideas that i'm gonna have to start working on after this call <laughs> and, and even things like once we're in retailers like how does that impact the dtc thing and what kind of canonization will we have and you know it and will it or will it will it be a rising tide that will lift the boat of DTC because more people are aware of it because we just got started. So there's, there's all those things to consider. Um, but we got to sell one thing to one person first and then the rest will kind of follow up. Yeah. It's, it's the zero to one and I'm sure it's going to be a big game changer. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, like, thank you so much for your time today. Sam. Yeah, of and, and what I really think is what you're doing today, like the kind of like effort and energy that you're putting, I mean, it's something that not, a lot of people tend to like, you know, want to do, right? Because obviously the world today needs more founders. That's given like, we need more and more founders out there. People are ready to like jump into the, you know, the, the ship of starting out something. And uh, what you've been doing in the last one year, I mean, it's surely not an easy journey and like, you know, kudos to you on that part. And from like, literally like from everyone from the community, like what I would like to say is like, all the positive energy to your launch and I'm sure it's going to be really successful and can't wait to see Fuffs um, like in numerous retail stores in the yeah. couple of years, like all the way from Target to Walmart. Yes, I mean like yeah. probably Whole Foods would want you guys by then that time or they change the strategy. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, anyone, any retailer who's listening, please take us. <laughs> yeah, that's quite interesting but yeah thank you so much for your time sam like yeah of course all the best yeah thank you so much really appreciate it and what will also uh, do you by any chance have like uh uh, like products that you could probably just show us on the oh yeah um so yeah one of each flavor yeah i love the package Sour cream and onion. Nice. Hot chocolate. Whoa. I'm really curious to try the hot chocolate. <laughs> That's the one that when you mentioned earlier, I really want to try that out. Vinegar. The hot chocolate is, if you have one of each, it might not be your favorite, but it's the one that I'll eat the whole bag of the easiest. It's just so, it's so good. And then last one is the cinnamon, which is also like, it's a, See, the, the thing is, like, as I start thinking about each flavor, like, each one becomes, like, oh, like, this one's actually so It's really hard to pick. Interesting. That's that's great. Uh, I mean, if, if you do have any, um, like, uh, images or anything that you could share to us, we would, like, love yeah. to. If it's okay with you, we could share it on the newsletter also when we're sharing the podcast. Perfect. Yeah. I'll, I'll definitely. We have, we did a photo shoot in February, so we have a lot of assets. Yeah, that would be very helpful. Like, which are ones that you think that go well? Like, we could be happy to shout it out. 
But yeah, but yeah, thank you so much, Sam. I mean, I mean like, don't worry. Like, I, I'll be editing all these parts out of the pod. Yeah, yeah, figure, figure. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was really good to connect with you and uh, yeah, likewise. Like, uh, you know, doing this in a short. Uh, yeah, and gotta gotta start getting the word out there. So. Yep. Yep. And please do add me into your uh, email list of those two yeah. people. Like, you know, I would love to follow your journey and know what's going on and, you know, like support in whatever way possible that I, that I, I can at any point. Absolutely. Cool. Awesome. Well, glad to connect. Yep. Likewise, Sam. Thank you cool. so much. And have See a wonderful ya. rest of the week and all the best. Thanks. Yeah, it's going to be a crazy couple of days, but we're getting there. No worry. You're all going to get through it and it's going to be amazing. It's given us. Awesome. <laughs> Awesome. See you. Yeah. See you. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us and listening to our podcast. Stay tuned for our next episode. To know more about Almond, click almond.io. Subscribe to our podcast. Goodbye. Until next time.